uh, from the book of Psalms. Uh, it's in Psalm uh, 16, verse 8. Uh, it says in the King James, says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And in other translations uh, say, you know, for example, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is my he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Um, and I was thinking, you know, that that was from uh, the Old Testament, right? The Psalms there that uh, he is at my right hand. Uh, and because uh, the psalmist knew that the Lord was at his right hand, which which be on this hand, right? The Lord that was at his right hand, then that allowed him to live a life where he wasn't shaken. Uh, well, that was the old covenant, right? How much better do we have? Uh, do we have it in the in the new covenant, right? Where is the Lord today in relation to us? He is in us, right? So if he's in us, then uh, we have the ability to not be shaken even more. Amen. And much of the church, you know, you know, the church as a whole really isn't a whole lot different from the world as far as we have the same worries and the same conflicts and the same difficulties. Uh, but we have the potential to live a life where we're never shaken. Uh, and uh, that'd be a pretty good life right there, right? No matter what comes, he doesn't say, I shall not be shaken uh, unless the economy fails, right? I shall not be shaken unless uh, my bank account dries up. You know, there's no footnote in that verse there about uh, when you will or will not be shaken. It's if, if the Lord is there, then you'll not be shaken. Uh, and so for us in the new covenant, you know, we can just remind ourselves, you know, the Lord is continually before me. And really, the Lord is continually in me. Uh, and uh, I have set my eyes on him constantly. Uh, therefore, uh, because he's in me, I will not be shaken. And so it's just good to confess uh, those verses like that just in your life. You know, Lord, I'm not going to be shaken because you're in me. I'm not going to be shaken because you're with me. I'm not going to be shaken because my eyes are set continually upon you. Uh, and if you're always looking at the Lord, then what are you not looking at? Well, you're not looking at your problems, right? Your woes and difficulties and the people that are around you that uh, give you a hard time. And, uh, and so uh, it's just a good verse to encourage yourself about uh, reminding of yourself about who the Lord is, what's he doing in your life. That because he's there, then you don't have to be moved. You know, uh, other translations say instead of being shaken, be moved. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times the problems in life are presented to you in order to get you to move, to move away from the Lord, to move away from peace, to move away from uh, all the blessings that you have. Uh, and so uh, remind yourself about where the Lord is. Amen. Is he in you right now? He's in you right now. So if the old covenant uh, psalmist could say, I'm not going to be moved or shaken because he's beside me, how much more can we say that we're not going to be moved or shaken because he's in me? Amen. Uh, and so praise God. So I just want to encourage you about that. And um, uh, let's stand and, and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Throughout all of the earth and throughout all the ages around your throne and worship you, Father. With every tribe and nation, with every tongue, Father, to declare that you are holy and that you are a king, the only king and the king of kings. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope of that day, Father. And we look forward to it, Father. We look forward to, to seeing you, Father, face to face. And we look forward, Father, to being in your presence for all time. You are holy and worthy, Father, of all worship and praise as the great King of the earth. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you all praise and honor and glory, Father. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, he's so good to us. Amen. We appreciate his kindness and mercy. He's been so good and kind to us all the days of our lives in ways that we may never know, ways that we uh, won't find out until we get to heaven. Um, he said he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways, lest we dash our foot against a stone. Amen. Amen. So we have the right to be protected all the time. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, I had a I had a boss one time and, and uh, at the end of the day, I said, I'll see you tomorrow. He said, well, the Lord willing, you know, and I always thought that was a funny thing because I'm thinking, well, is there a chance that he's not willing that you're going to be here tomorrow? Is he like thinking, well, I'm going to bump him off, you know, tonight and, you know. 
uh, drop a telephone pole on them? Or is angels going to go home and, and not do their job? Or, I mean, what's the, what's, the, what's the insight here? I need some more information. But I didn't make a note, so, you know, if he had no faith to make it home alive, I'm thinking, well, I don't really want to ride home with him if I ever need a ride, you know? I mean, you know, I want your faith to be, we're going to go to the other side. Isn't that what Jesus said? We're going to the other side. Now, the, the faith of the, the disciples wasn't there, but his faith was we're going to the other side. Amen? Amen? My faith is I'm always going to the other side. And so you can ride with me all day long, and you'll be safe, right? Uh, and so I don't pray out of fear. I just expect that the Lord does what he says he's going to do. Amen? Give his angels charge over me. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've just been thinking a lot about faith lately and just how, you know, the level of faith that, that uh, the church has the, the opportunity to walk in is such a level that it, 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 to some people, it almost seems radical or almost seems fanatical even that we can live a life free from sickness and disease, free from poverty, free from lack, free from destruction and doom and gloom and free from emotional trauma and physical trauma you know, you have the privilege to live that way. Amen. You know, our primary goal on the earth is to advance the kingdom of heaven. And it's hard to advance the kingdom of heaven if we're under the barrel. Amen. If we're, if we're all the time in the hospital and, and we're not fussing anybody if, those, if that's uh, uh, people's lives. But I just want to encourage you to have a vision and a hope that, Lord, I can live a life that's free from all of these conflicts so that I'm capable and able to uh, advance your kingdom in the earth. Amen. Uh, you know, we teach healing school every Sunday at 3 p.m. And, and I'm just convinced the more, of course, the more we teach it, the, the, the better it gets in my, in my heart. Uh, but I'm just convinced that the Lord needs and desires a church that is fully healthy all the time so that we are able to go and accomplish his will. Because our job is he, on this earth as Christians is to accomplish his will. Amen. Many times the, the church looks inward and, and just you know, it becomes a, a, a mutual admiration society. Oh, I'm, uh, you're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. No, you're more wonderful than I am. Uh, and we forget that there's a lost and dying world out there that needs our help. Amen. And we need to, we need to have something to give to them. And I was listening to a testimony or, or reading a testimony about uh, R.W. Shambach when he was, I think it was when he was in India. Uh, anybody see that? I think it was uh, posted recently. Uh, and um, uh, anybody remember R.W.? He was just a preacher, right? He's a preacher machine. And, and uh, I remember that he did a funeral one time and, and he got up and said, well, this guy's dead. Can't do anything about him. You know, how about you all? You all going to straighten up and, and follow Jesus? You know, and that's basically what he said, you know. And I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of correct. But, you know, I'm not sure that I could have preached it that way. But, um, you know, that's what he said. And so uh, what's that? A direct approach. Yeah, he just went from A to Z. You know, he didn't, he didn't flower along the way. You know, there's no... He just ripped the Band-Aid off and just, you know, but sometimes you got to rip the Band-Aid off, you know, and, and so R.W., that was his role in the body of Christ, rip the Band-Aid off. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, of course, when you rip it off, it doesn't hurt for the first three seconds, right? And then it all shows up, right? And, and then, then you cry and, and um, uh, you try to not show like you're crying, but you do cry anyway. But anyway, so he was in India and preaching and, and he said there's like 50,000 people there. Uh, and he preached a great message, you know, as, as uh, R.W.'s want to do. And, and, and then... Uh, he gave an altar call, and he said exactly zero people came. 50,000 people in the crowd, nobody came for the altar call to accept the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so what do you do? Uh, so uh, he saw some people there that he knew that uh, they had some physical ailments, and uh, some of them were deaf. You know, I think it was specifically the, the, the deaf people. Did you, did you read that article? Yeah, was it deaf people that, uh, yeah, I think it was the deaf people that, that uh, uh, he prayed for. He said, come up here, you know. Uh, and so he prayed, he prayed for them. Uh, and, uh, and then they got healed instantly. Uh, and then people in a crowd started shouting, you know, uh, Jesus is the only God. You know, he's, he's the only way. Uh, and then he gave a second altar call, and they came up by the thousands, you know, after that. Uh, and he said, uh, as, of course, we've mentioned that many times in healing school, that, that the healing uh, and really all the gifts of the Spirit are their dinner bell uh, for the world to come and to come to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus used that many times effectively to pray for the sick and they'd be healed and then people would come you know you pray for somebody's child that's sick and they get healed uh, they'd be glad to listen to anything you say amen you get somebody who's uh, terminally ill and you get them healed uh, by praying for them and they'd be glad to do, to follow you anywhere in the world amen uh, and so you know the church needs to have access to these blessings and these anointings but you know for our individual lives uh, we also need to learn how to uh 
uh, have the faith so that we're able to do the will of God. Amen. So we need faith for healing and we need faith for finances and we need faith for uh, that everything's not always exploding in our lives. You ever known people who just, no matter what they get, it explodes, right? It just, you know, well, I had a car. What happened to your car? Well, it blew up. Well, what do you mean it blew up? I mean, how many cars blow up every day, right? You know, I talked to people and uh, someone just the other day said, well, you know, I got to get my car worked on my, my, uh, my wheel cracked, you know, and I can't drive it. And, uh, you know, if that was once in a lifetime, it'd be unusual. But it's it's everyday stuff like that for that particular person, you know, and, and it's always that way. Right. You ever know people that just no matter what happens, something's going to blow up, explode. And, and uh, you, you know, and why is that? Well, they just they're, they're living much of the time. It's because they live inside uh, of the, the realm of the enemy uh, instead of living inside the realm of the church. Amen. Uh, and, you know, uh, we think, well, it's no big deal. Well, I don't want my wheel cracking every day. I don't want my car exploding every day. And, you know, my, all my dogs and cats get stolen or eaten every day. And, you know, it's just the, the most amazing stories you hear sometimes from these people. And it's like, well, but but uh, you, there's a better life than that. Uh, and there's a life where the spirit of God dwells in you and that he leads your path every day, every day of your life, that you know exactly where to go and exactly what to say and exactly what to do. Uh, and. Inside of that, there's all the blessings and provisions of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You go back all the way to the Old Testament and you look at the nation of Israel. And when they were in the perfect will of God, they were unbeatable. Yes. Nobody could touch them. Yes. They would just show up and everybody would die. And I mean, they'd have to go to the battle, right? You still have to go to the battle uh, sometimes and engage with the enemy. But they just show up and the Lord would do all the work for them. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, well, they weren't born again. They didn't have the spirit of God inside of them. Why can't we live that way? Uh, well, we can live that way. But, you know, some people look at that and go, well, that's that's that's, you know, pie in the sky. Nobody lives that way. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of great men and women of God that live that way every day. And many of them are unknown. Right. Many of them nobody will ever know about. But they live a life of success uh, and freedom and victory every day and overcoming every day. And, you know, you may never hear about them, uh, but they live that way because of fa- the faith uh, of the word of God. Amen. Faith in the word of God. Uh, and so we're, we're teaching on the anointing. And, you know, I, I believe this is one of the most important messages that you could learn about in your life, because the whole purpose of the anointing, as we'll find out, is it's the power of God that operates and rests upon your life to do the work of the Lord. Uh, and we're supposed to do the work of the Lord with the anointing. Right. And, uh, let's turn over to Mark, chapter 15, and we'll read our read our um, kind of foundation scripture there. Because it's it's uh, uh, it's really the way that the church is supposed to be working. Right. And so he said at the very end, uh, very last verse of Mark, chapter 16, he says, and they, and they the disciples uh, went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working what? With them. Right. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Uh, and that's what uh, R.W. had actually said. He said, well, we preached the word. Then let's uh, the Lord. You said you'd have signs following. So let's let you have some signs to follow. Amen. Uh, and uh, but the key for us is where it says the Lord working what? With them. With them. Amen. Uh, and much of the church works for the Lord, but very l- few of the church works with the Lord and working with the Lord is working with the power of, of the spirit of God upon your life to accomplish his will in the earth. And so you have to learn how to work together with him as a as a partner. Right now, of course, he's the senior partner, uh, but he's still if you're working with him, then he's your partner. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and of course, first Corinthians three, nine said that we we work together with God as well. Uh, and so uh, and it's really the anointing is is what the, when he's talking about working with them, it's the anointing of God or the, the manifest presence of the spirit of God that works with us to accomplish his will in the earth. And so that's what we want to learn how to do that. And what does that mean? Right. Uh, And uh, because we've got to get our mindset where we're not here about ourselves. We're not here about, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins or whoever has the biggest church or whoever's, you know, whatever the thing is, uh, we're here to serve the world. Amen. To to win a lost world uh, to the Lord Jesus. Everything else is kind of secondary below that. Right. And the anointing of God is really what empowers us to accomplish that goal in the earth. And it's not just for 
the ministers. You know, uh, we live in the New Testament, so the anointing of God is really uh, for the whole church. Uh, and so uh, we're there in Mark chapter 16. Let's turn over to John chapter 2. So, of course, Jesus is our example. And um, we talked last week about how, you remember when he, when he chose to come to the earth, that he said he laid aside all his power and glory. Right? He laid it all aside. He became a man, right? He chose to become a man, born of a woman, right? Born of a virgin. Uh, and so he chose to do that. And then uh, in his earthly life, we have no evidence that Jesus ever did a single miracle until uh, he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Spirit of God came upon him uh, there uh, after his baptism. And, you know, there, there are stories of, you know, when Jesus was eight, he healed his, his best friend's, you know, little finger. And when he was 10, he healed a gnat's wing. And, you know, he didn't do any of those things. Uh, he was just a kid, right? Now, he was pretty smart. Remember the story when they left him in, at the temple and he's talking to the doctors of law, asking them questions, answering questions, right? Uh, he was very studious even as a child. Of course, you know, he's Jesus. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, he didn't have the sin nature in him. There's some other, other things about his life. We don't have time to go into all of those things. Uh, but uh, he knew his role on the earth and he was after it. You know, he said, I've got to be about my father's business. You know, a lot of times it takes people to become an adult to realize they've got to be about their father's business. Sometimes an older adult, you know, uh, you know, uh, even Moses, it's, he, he didn't get the, the, the message until he was 80, a little behind the times, right? A little slow on the pickup there. Amen. And he finished big, but he started off a slow, didn't he? Right. Uh, and so, uh, we've all got an advantage o- over Moses. Right. Uh, and so, uh, all of us have started before 80, right? Uh, we, I'm, we got, I don't know what the age is all in here, but we got some cl- folks getting close there, but you started a long time ago, right? Moses started when he was 80, so you're way ahead of Moses. So, uh, so Jesus, after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, then he started his, uh, really his ministry at that point. And so here we are in John chapter 2. Uh, and, of course, this is the story of when, when uh, Jesus changed the water to wine. Uh, and if it says in verse 11, after that uh, miracle, uh, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and the disciples believed on him. So the beginning of his miracles was there at the wedding, right? When he changed the water into wine. So he did no miracles. There was no beginning of miracles before the baptism uh, of the Lord Jesus. No miracles when he was a child. No miracles when he was 12 years old in the temple. No miracles until he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? Until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that's really when you talk about the anointing, you're talking about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. But, you know, uh, as Christians, we all have the Spirit of God on us. Uh, And we're going to look at some more scriptures to understand some more of those things. But all of us, as New Testament Christians, all of us have the Spirit of God upon us. Uh, The thing that we've got to learn is, number one, how to sense that he's there uh, and and how to work with that anointing. Because when we're working with the Lord, we're working with that Spirit of God that's upon us. And we have to learn how to have the right attitude and the right right, uh, yieldedness. You know, Brother Hagin used to say something I thought was really helpful. He said, you know, if you go to a word church, and I believe this is a word church, right? We preach the word of God. Uh, he said the issue for most people is not a lack of faith. Uh, because if you're taught the word, you're going to get faith, right? And we teach the word around here. And so you're going to get taught uh, the word. And be, by that, you're going to obtain faith. He said that the general issue in the church is not being yielded enough to the spirit of God. Not sensing his presence and doing what he wants you to do. The thing that you'll find about the Spirit of God is he's not real loud and obnoxious, right? You know, any loud and obnoxious people, you know, always demanding everything of you and, and dragging you somewhere and, and demanding you do stuff. And sometimes you've got bosses that are that way, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, but the Spirit of God's not that way. He'll nudge you and then expect you to respond. And, and a lot of times, you know, our, our response is, well, it wasn't a very big nudge, so I don't have to do it, right? You know, it wasn't a, you know, he didn't jerk me. Uh, he didn't kick me. He didn't push me to go do something. So, you know, it was just kind of a, it just seemed like it was a hint, right? And so it's optional. Uh, but it's not really a hint, right? I mean, that's what I think of like stop signs. I think they're kind of a hint and they're optional, right? Uh, but, um, you know, that's not the way the Lord, the Lord works with the Spirit of God in our lives is, he will give us some kind of an, an unction. And we're going to talk some more about that too. But he'll give us some kind of a, of a witness or an idea of, hey, you need to go do something or say something or not go do something or not say something. 
And then we have to train ourselves to yield to that. Instead of training ourselves to the very loud voice that's in our mind, we'll go say that to them. You know, go tell them off. Go tell them, you know, uh, I couldn't help it, you know. And those loud voices like that. But the Spirit of God is not loud. He's oftentimes very subtle, very quiet. I right? remember uh, Elijah, it was, he said he was in this, the still, small voice. So he wasn't in the thunders and the lightnings and the boomings and the loud voices of demanding to go do something. And, you know, I hear lots of times people say, well, I just had to do that. Uh, and the reason they say that is because the voice of their flesh was so loud, they, they yielded to that loud voice. You say that. You tell them off. You know, you, you run them down. You know, you give them a what for. Whatever that means, right? But whatever that means, you know, you ever gotten a what for? I've gotten plenty of what fors. And we don't even know what that means, but we know what it means, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you've gotten a what for. Why? Because somebody, instead of yielding to the spirit of God, yielded to their flesh. I can't tell you how many times that that uh, I'll be in a circumstance or situation and my flesh will want to rise up and you can feel that steam. You ever felt that steam starting to boil up, right? I, uh, Journaling, weren't you a boiler maker, right? You know all about steam boiling up, right? You know, the pressure, you know, you get the little, there's a big tank, right? And they got water in it and they start heating it up. Well, there's a little pressure valve there that starts going up right and eventually there's a little red line if you go past the red line then you could bust a, a welded seam you know and and then it's bad because when boil uh, boilers uh, bust you know it's basically a small explosion right and so there's a lot of energy in those things and you know, a lot of times people will you know they'll get that that uh, that the old man will start rising up boiling up heating up expanding right and, and a lot of times the spirit of god is people out there going he won't say nothing. He'll just kind of give you that and just, no, don't do that. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that, probably one of the best things I've learned about uh, raising children, uh, you know, I sure didn't learn it at, at the beginning because I was raised uh, by screamers, right? And, and uh, you know, they got screamed at and, and then that's what you did, right? And depending on how loud they screamed, you knew how, how serious they were, right? So if they screamed at a certain decibel up here, you know, you could probably get away with it for a little bit longer, but if you screamed it this loud, you knew you had to duck, right? And so, uh, you know, you kind of take that right into raising your own kids, right? And, and, and you know, the Lord, the Lord said to me one time, he said, he said, your authority does not reside in the volume of your voice. I thought that was a good, a good statement. His, my authority does not reside in the volume of my voice. And my folks never got that memo. They thought that all their authority was in how loud they screamed at me, right? Uh, and a lot of people are that way, too. They, uh, they think that, that the way that their authority uh, operates is if they scream at you loud enough, you'll do what they say. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just because uh, uh, we don't have enough training in the world about that. But uh, so what I, what I started doing then was I realized my authority was in my position as the parent, uh, and, you know, it's a memo to some people that, you know, you're the parent, right? Uh, and uh, uh, we've had to remind ourselves on, a, on occasion, you know, we're the parents, right? You know, the kids won't do anything we say. Well, then be the parent. Oh, well, that's a novel idea, right? But uh, so I started uh, training myself uh, and the kids to expect that when I said something, I didn't have to scream at them to get them to do it. And it got to a point where, you know, if they were doing something, I could just look at them and just do the same thing the Spirit of God does to me, just go, and that was enough. Now, every now and then, they didn't think that was enough. And we would have to make some adjustments, right? Usually in the bedroom with a belt or something like that, you know, or paddle, not very often a belt, but oftentimes we called it the happy paddle. And we'd make some adjustments. But for the most part, you know, we could just look at them and say, and sometimes not even say anything, just, just a simple nod. Because they knew that the authority had spoken and they, would, they learned to yield to that. Well, that's important because they need to learn how to yield to that same Spirit of God when they become adults for themselves. And when that, when that subtle uh, uh, shaking of the head from the Spirit of God says, don't do that, just with a... But this loud voice of the flesh is screaming, you know, respond, say something back to them, you know, show them that you're the boss and whatever the voices say. They're loud though, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we will learn that, you know, I can listen to that loud voice or I could listen to this still small voice. Uh, and if, if we learn that Everything the Lord tells us to do, and I know this, and we, I know we know this in general, but we should know this for ourselves. But I know that everything, everything the Lord tells me to do is always to my advantage. I'm always blessed when I follow what he wants me to do versus what I want to do every single time. I'm never better off doing what I wanted to do versus what he wanted to do ever. 
Uh, and, and that may mean sometimes, you know, uh, it may look like I've lost in a, in a conversation or lost in a battle or something. But I haven't lost, you know. Uh, I'm yielding to the Spirit of God. I always win with the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. So Jesus uh, did no miracles prior to uh, his, uh, his changing the water to wine. Uh, and so let's turn over to John chapter 14. So, you know, the, the, the gospel of John probably has got more to say about the spirit of God than, uh, well, I'm sure it does than all the other gospels probably put together. Uh, he just had a real understanding of the spirit of God and the work of the spirit of God in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the disciples. And so uh, he has a lot to say about that. So here, this is a, a great verse. And I think uh, as uh, Pentecostals, you're required by law to know this particular verse, right? It says in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So is this a true verse? Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll read a verse and say, Lord, is that true? Now, I know the answer to that, but is that true? It's true, right? The works that I do shall you do also. So uh, great, great Theological debates have been uh, made around this verse about how it doesn't mean exactly what it means, right? Well, it can't mean that we're going to raise the dead, too. Well, why not? It can't mean that we're going to heal the sick or, you know, feed the 5,000. Isn't that what it says? The works that I do? Well, what works did Jesus do? Didn't he heal the sick, raise the dead, feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000, right? Uh, walk on water? Didn't he uh, walk through the midst of, of the enemies many times, right? Didn't he have the great wisdom to, to uh, 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 win every argument. You know, those are all the works of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he said, the works that I do, that I do right now. So uh, whatever he's doing, we should make a list and a catalog. Well, then if he did that, then I can do that. If he did that, then I can do that. Now, every work that Jesus did, he did by the direction of the Holy Spirit, right? We have to understand that everything Jesus did, he always did by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So it's not that we just go out, well, I'm just going to go raise that person from the dead because Jesus did. Well, Jesus raised people from the dead, but every person he raised from the dead, he did by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So he didn't just do, he did nothing of himself, right? And then what he said in John chapter 5, I can do nothing of myself. I only do those things which I see my father doing. So uh, if, if he didn't see the father raising that person from the dead, then he wasn't going to go raise that person from the dead. You remember the man uh, at the, the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, right? Peter and John went up to pray at the ninth hour. Uh, and and um, there was a man there that had been there forever. Uh, and and the, he was at, begging for alms at the temple. Well, if he'd been there forever, how many times do you reckon Jesus passed by him? Probably passed by him a lot. Well, why didn't Jesus heal him? I mean, Peter and John healed him. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus heal him? Because there was no unction by the Holy Spirit to do that. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. You know, there's no, God's not in heaven going, yeah, let's let him suffer a little bit longer. It wasn't that about, about that at all, right? Uh, people oftentimes look at, at any delay of the spirit of god is the lord desires for you to suffer more longer you know before you're really spiritual enough uh, and you know it, it, maybe we need to introduce people to the spirit of god you know the lord's not that way his desire is for you to suffer longer until you learn some more uh, usually he's trying to get you to a place where you you have the ability to receive before you, it's time for you to receive uh, and so uh, if the lord doesn't tell me to do something i leave it alone well lord you know that person's sick they need to be healed uh, and, and I just sense you don't want me to go pray for them. And, and then I leave it alone because I don't, I don't go beyond that because a lot of times what happens is we start making judgments. Well, they must have sin in their life. I mean, did we know of any sin of that man at, at the gate beautiful? We know of no sin. And Peter and John didn't say your sins are forgiven before they prayed for him like Jesus did many times. Uh, as far as we know, there's no sin. Well, maybe he just didn't have enough faith. Well, how would you know that? It doesn't say he didn't have any faith. It didn't, they didn't rebuke his lack of faith. Uh, so well, why wasn't he healed before that? Well, we don't know. Well, you know, we should know. Well, I mean, unless you're God, you know, anybody hear God? I mean, that position's already filled, right? So, uh, so I just learned to just leave it alone. Amen? Just, just leave it alone, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, Lord, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 there's a lot of questions I don't ask anymore about, you know, well, why this happened, why that happened. Now, sometimes you can get insight. Now, if it's for you personally, you, you can get some more insight. But a lot of times I just leave it alone uh, because I don't know. And, and unless the Lord reveals to me, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to know. So Jesus said that the works that I do. So he said he can do nothing of himself. But so everything he did, he did by the spirit of God, by the anointing, right? By the manifest presence of God that was upon his life. 
uh, when that presence of the Spirit of God instructed him to do something. And again, it's an unction, it's a knowing, it's, it's a witness on the inside of you. It's not you know, an email, it's not a loud voice, it's not, you know, where the Lord Jesus appears to you. Uh, the vast majority of times, it's just a, a small unction in your heart of, you know, I need to go do that. I need to go say that. And what you'll find is if you'll train yourself to start doing that, the more that you do that, the easier it is to discern the spirit of God versus just your flesh or or anything else. Right. Uh, and so because, number one, it will never violate the word of God. Amen. The spirit of God will never violate the word of God. So so Jesus had the spirit of God upon him. Right. The, the Holy Ghost came down and descended upon him like a dove. Uh, and uh, and then everything he did, he did by the Spirit of God. So let's, we're in John chapter 14. Let's turn over to John chapter 3. So, so in the ministry, now I'm not talking about the fivefold ministry where you're in a pulpit. I'm talking about your life, all of our lives as Christians. The Bible says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So every Christian has been given a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, uh, your ministry is to tell the world that they have been brought together back with the Lord. The, to reconcile means brought, uh, brought back together. So we all have that ministry, right? Essentially, it's just preaching the gospel, telling people about the good news of the Lord Jesus. You don't have to do it on a street corner with a thump in a Bible. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if some of these street preachers don't need to get the, the memo that we're supposed to be preaching the gospel, right? Now they're out there preaching hellfire and damnation. Uh, and, you know, you're all going to go to hell. Well, how's that good news? Most of them already know that, right? And so how is that good news, right? Uh, I mean, we can teach about hell when we come into the church and say, hey, it's a good place to avoid, right? Don't go there. Uh, nothing wrong with teaching about hell, uh, but we're supposed to be preaching the gospel. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, so Jesus had this, had the spirit, uh, of God. You have the spirit of God. So let's make sure we understand, uh, how these things operate. So here we are in John chapter three. Let's look at, uh, toward the end of the chapter there. Uh, it says, uh, in, um, uh, well, let's see, uh, this is, this is uh, um, John talking about Jesus, uh, starting in verse 30. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And I've always thought the ministry of John was, was, was unusual. You know, I, I never have, have in my heart got it settled about what the deal was. Because it seems to me, uh, you know, when, when John first saw Jesus at the River Jordan, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. He knew who he was, right? But then later on, he got thrown in jail and he sent his disciples to say, are you are you the one? So he knew at one time, but then after you know after a while, you know he he seemed to kind of waver a little bit in his in his understanding of who who the Lord was, and uh, he said here that he must uh, that I must he must increase, but I must decrease. And I always wondered why he didn't hook up with Jesus. You know why did he still have to feel like he had to have a separate ministry? Why did he he was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus? Why didn't he just go and just hook up with Jesus and just and just, well, you know, I'm retired now. Jesus is on the scene. You know, my work is done. I'm just going to hook up with him and follow him and do whatever he tells me to do. And uh, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I, we don't have enough information in the word. But I always wondered about, you know, why, why is that, you know? Uh, and I wonder if maybe the reason why John got a little bit, um, um, started questioning maybe a little bit Jesus, but because we got thrown in, in prison, Jesus didn't go get him out. Did he think he should have? I don't know. But it just... Uh, you ever thought about that, about, G- about John, why, why he didn't go hook up with Jesus immediately? And just, I mean, after the River Jordan, his ministry was done, right? There was no more need because he was baptized, uh, you know, baptizing people uh, in John's baptism. And, uh, uh, you know, they needed to hook up with Jesus, right? So I don't know. I don't know. Not mad at anybody. Just, uh, just a question, right? Uh, and so he said, he that cometh from above is, is above all. So he knows who he is, right? Uh, he that is of the earth is earthly, talking about himself and speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is, is above all. And what he, he hath seen and heard that he testifieth. So Jesus is speaking not what he wants to speak, but the things that he has seen and heard. Right. So who, where he has seen, where has he seen and heard those from from uh, the father God and from the spirit of God? He that hath received this testimony hath hath set uh, to his seal that God is true for he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. So uh, everything Jesus said were, were words from the Father. So that, now that's how he ministered. So that can be how you live your life, that every word that you say comes from the Father. And when you go up to encourage somebody and tell them, hey, you know, I hope you're having a great day. And, and um, you know, you can be sincere. 
uh, one of the, the things that I find the hardest for Christians to be is just sincere. When they come say, you know, hope you're doing good. Uh, you know, uh, but you don't really mean it, right? Uh, and, and it seems like it's really hard for, for Christians just to learn how to be sincere when they say, you know, I, I hope the Lord blesses you. And to be honest about it, right? And to really believe that, I, I hope that the Lord blesses you. Amen? Because if we learn how to say the words that come from heaven, then they are sincere words, right? Uh, but then the end of the verse says, uh, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. So this is an important verse when it comes to about this, the presence of the spirit of God is uh, how much of the spirit of God did Jesus have? It says he had the spirit without measure, right? So then it kind of implies to us that maybe we have the spirit by measure. And so let's look at a couple more verses here in relation to that uh, in over in Romans uh, chapter 12. And then, um, and then we've got to go over to Ephesians. So we, we want to get some understanding about uh, how the Spirit of God operates through us, right? How does the anointing operate through us? Uh, and so here he says in Romans chapter 12, it says in verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know, notice it doesn't say uh, not to think of himself highly. It says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, right? I think very highly of myself. I'm a child of God, uh, washed in the blood of Jesus, on my way to heaven, you know, born again. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Um, you know, I think a lot about myself. I think a lot of myself in those regards, right? Uh, but uh, if I started saying, well, I'm the very best pastor in the world, that's probably thinking more highly of myself than I ought to, right? Because how would I know? How would I know that I'm the very best pastor in the whole world? I haven't met every pastor in the whole world. Uh, and so he ought to think soberly, right? According as God had to dealt to every man, the measure of faith. So now he's saying that there is a measure. So it's a fixed measure, right? And now we know that measure of faith can grow and increase, but it's a measure. So it's not an infinite amount of faith. It's a, it's, it's a fixed amount. Uh, and so and that implies that we have a fixed amount of the Spirit of God. Uh, but Jesus also many times said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, then you could do what? Speak to the mountain, speak to the sycamine tree, right? If you had just a tiny amount of faith, you could do basically anything that you need to do in your entire life. So it's not that the measure uh, is too small to get the job done. It's always plenty to get the job done. But there's some reasons for that, and I believe it gets back into part of the reason why we can't have the spirit without measure is uh, our physical bodies have the sin nature in it. And I think that's a limiting factor until we get rid of this, uh, this sin nature that's in our flesh. That won't happen until we get a glorified body. Then we can't have the spirit without measure. Uh, and, and so uh, it's my assumption, based upon my studies of the word, that when we get a glorified body, that at that point in time, we will then have the spirit without measure. But let's look at, at the Ephesians chapter 1 here real quick. So uh, let's start in verse uh, 20. Uh, it says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So now he's talking about the church. He said in verse 23, which is his body. So the church is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So individually, we don't have the spirit without measure. But collectively, as the whole church, we have the spirit without measure because the collectively, as the whole church, we, we are the fullness of the Lord Jesus. So it only requires, uh, I mean, it requires the whole church to equal the fullness that Jesus had when he was on this earth. And so that's part of the reason why we have the spirit uh, by measure. So uh, the whole point of, of that discussion is uh, just to understand that if you have the, the Spirit of God by measure, that means you're never, as an individual, going to fully do everything that Jesus did. But the body of Christ, because the body of Christ is the fullness of Jesus, the body of Christ has the capacity to do everything as a whole that Jesus did. Uh, and, and, that, and, and, you know, I don't know if the Lord did that because he knows that men are weak and, and we can be stupid sometimes. And, you know, there's a lot of people say that, you know, I'm just as powerful as Jesus and well, if you know the word of God, you know that that's never going to be happening. No individual will be as powerful as the Lord Jesus by himself. Amen. 
Uh, and so it should keep our egos in check, but sometimes that's not the case, right? Sometimes I've met plenty of people over the years through reading history and just meeting people. You know, I, I'm doing everything Jesus did, right? It's like, I find that hard to believe, right? Uh, and so uh, because of what the Word says, the Word says we have, uh, have, we have a measure, and, it, and individually we don't have everything, but as the body of Christ, we do. So really, as the body of Christ, we have the capacity to raise Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do and greater than these, right? So we, as the body of Christ, have the capacity to raise a lot more people from the dead than Jesus did, to heal more people from, the, from sickness and disease than Jesus did, amen? Uh, and so individually, then, you should be able to do some of those things, right? And you should be able to do some of those things as the Spirit, uh, as the Spirit directs you. Uh, and so even in the book of Acts, you know, we see the great apostles like Peter and Paul and uh, who, and John, who did great and mighty works in the, uh, in the book of Acts, but no individual ever did as much as Jesus did. So we see both by the word of God and by the examples that he wrote to us in history in the book of Acts that that's the case. So, uh, but do you have the Spirit of God on you? You do. You have a measure of the Spirit of God upon you. Uh, and so, so Jesus then, uh, let's, let's go back to, uh, to Luke chapter 4. <clears throat> and we've got to look at uh, uh, in the area of his ministry then, uh, what role did, did he play? So, so this is, this is uh, kind of getting in then to, you know, using the anointing, working with the anointing in your life. So Jesus said here in Luke chapter 4, he said in verse uh, 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So we start getting some insight is the purpose of the anointing is for you to do the work of the Lord. Amen. And so that also that implies that you should not be doing the work of the Lord without the anointing. So whatever the Lord's called you to do, then there should be an anointing or a presence of God or the presence of the Holy Spirit for you to accomplish that calling upon your life. So, you know, again, if you're not in the pulpit, then, you know, maybe uh, uh, you're called to, to work in a particular job, right? Whatever that kind of job is. Well, if, if that's your calling upon this, on this earth, because that's not a, you know, sometimes people think, well, that's not important, right? My job, my secular job, my regular nine to five job, it's not nearly as important as, you know, somebody who stands behind a pulpit, right? Uh, and, and you should never diminish what you're called to do. Uh, because if you're doing that job, then, then uh, I mean, there's so many good things about that job, right? You're earning an income to feed your family. You're earning an income to give to the work of the Lord as part of those finances, right? You're in a job where you have the capacity to meet people, talk to people, uh, and to uh, help them and speak to good things to them about the gospel, right? It's a mission field every day. So don't ever diminish uh, the, the things that you're called to do, amen? Uh, and say, well, I'm not called to do this. Well, find what you're called to do, amen? Uh, you know, you, you have the right and privilege to enjoy what you're doing, right? I've always enjoyed every job that I've had. Uh, and so, uh, you know, because I was called to do those jobs. And there, was, there is, if I'm called to do those jobs, then there's an anointing, a presence of God to do that job. Amen. And there's been plenty of jobs when uh, they were, they were, the job itself was so overwhelming. Uh, and I would just spend time in prayer. Lord, uh, you've called me to do, to do this job. If, if you've called me to do this job, then you've anointed me to do this job. And if you've anointed me to do this job, then I have the wisdom and the grace and the power and the ability to do this job. Uh, and so if those things are true, because Jesus says right here that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to do something. So whatever you're called to do, you should be anointed to do those things. Amen. Now, unless you're just full of rebellion, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. Well, you know, then, then, you know, I don't know whether you're anointed or not. I can't answer that question. Uh, and so, you know, it's OK to to accept the job that you're in uh, and, and be good at it by the spirit of God. Amen. Let him give you supernatural wisdom and insight about how to do that particular job. Uh, so the spirit of God came upon Jesus to do things. Uh, and so Jesus had to learn that if the Spirit of God came upon him or anointed him to preach, then he had to learn how to yield to that Holy Spirit when he preached. Now, uh, that whole concept 
in the church is, is uh, actually, surprisingly, pretty rare. When people learn how to, in the pulpit, right, in their job in the pulpit, learn how to yield to the Spirit of God in, the, in their job as a minister to yield to what the Spirit of God wants them to do, as opposed to just a book report, you know, well, we're going to do this right here, or this right here, and, you know. Uh, and, and I remember, um, you know, years ago, I, you know, I was traveling a lot. I would turn on a local radio station, you know, use an AM station to try to find some kind of Christian show, you know. And you listen to one of them and go, well, that ain't anointed at all, right? There's no Spirit of God upon that person. Now, they may, they may have a calling upon their life, but unless you're yielding to the Spirit of God, then you're just doing it out of your own intellect. And much of the church is doing everything they do out of their own intelligence, right? Out of their own education. Well, I've got a, such, such a degree. I've got a whole collection of degrees. But I don't preach from my degrees. I preach from the Spirit of God. My goal is to always yield to the Spirit of God in every service, every time I preach. My goal is to yield to what He wants to do. And that's, you ever notice when we go on these rabbit paths and, you know, we start with one verse and we never get back to it or we start, you know, we're heading this direction. Well, the, a lot of that, you know, sometimes may just because I forgot everything, I don't know, but it's not, it's not really that. It's usually because the Spirit of God is just kind of nudging me to go in this way, right? And if he's, if he's nudging me to go, then I just go that way. I don't know where the way is going, but I just, you know, part of faith and the anointing is if the Spirit of God nudged me to go in that, that direction and read a verse, then I'm going to read that verse and we'll find out where it goes. And, and, and that's part of learning how to work with the Spirit of God, right? So Jesus was anointed to preach. He was, and so in order to do that well, then he had to learn how to yield to that anointing so that when he got up to say something, it was what the Spirit of God, he said, I, I don't say what I want to say, I say what, I'm, what I hear. Mm-hmm. Well, who's he hearing it from? He's hearing it by the Holy Spirit, right? It was given to, to him by the Father, delivered to him by the Holy Spirit, say these things. And so he may just have one verse, right? And a lot of times the Lord will always require faith along these areas, where you've got to start somewhere uh, and then he fills in the rest as you go, right? Uh, and just like with preaching, uh, many times you'll have one verse and that may be all you have. Uh, and, and then you've got, to, you've got to start that verse and you go down that road and see where it takes you. Uh, and so part of, of this ministry that Jesus operated in is the, the uh, ministry that he was anointed to do. Now, we know in the New Testament, over in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? So there are five groups of people that the Lord has anointed to do work. Uh, according to Ephesians 4, it says uh, that he's anointed those five groups of people for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's their five primary responsibilities. That's their, their primary responsibilities is to perfect the saints uh, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those are the three, the three main responsibilities of all ministers, right? Is to perfect the saints. So uh, that means that they're called to the church, right? We're called, so the fivefold ministry gifts, like the pastor, is called to the church, right? You're the church, so I'm called to minister to you. I'm not really called to minister to the lost. That's my responsibility as a Christian. My responsibility as a, as a minister is to preach to the church. Now, a lot of people don't understand that, but that's what the Word says. The Word says that I, as a minister, am here to help mature the saints, right? To perfect the saints or to cause the saints to grow up in the knowledge of the Lord and, and to have the ability then to go out of this church building and then go and preach the gospel to everybody around them. All of you have the capacity to do that. All of you have the Spirit of God in you to be able to do that. All of you have the anointing of God to be able to do that. And so part of my job as a minister is to perfect you, to help you understand that that's, you do have that capacity. And here's how you, when you walk out this door, you know, uh, how do you operate that? How do you work with that? How do you work with the Spirit of God? So that's my job. Now, I can't teach that to the lost. They don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Uh, you ever talk to the Holy Spirit, uh, about the Holy Spirit to a lost person? I'm like, what are you talking about, right? Uh, you know, before I was saved, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Anybody remember before they were saved? You know, a lot of you grew up in church, but I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't, I didn't even know there's a Holy Spirit. I knew there was God the Father and Jesus because, you know, we watched, you know, Ben-Hur and, and Ten Commandments and all those things, you know, and we knew a few things, but there's no Holy Spirit in those shows. Uh, and so, so Jesus uh, was anointed to do his job. You are anointed to do your job in the earth. Amen. And, and everybody's number one job, preach the gospel. Everybody in the church is anointed to preach the gospel, every single one. 
But whatever you're called to do in this natural world, you're also anointed to do that because that's how you have the capacity to do the work of the gospel. Amen. Uh, so many times people just they, they diminish, they diminish that. Right. And even in the church, sometimes if they have a job inside the church, you know, they'll say, well, I'm just you know, I'm just a door greeter or I'm just a sound man or I'm just a singer. Uh, and you should never belittle uh, the role that you play in the church. Right. Uh, you should never just say, I'm just this. I'm called to do this, right? Called to do the sound, called to do singing, called to, to greet the doors, amen? Called to, to do whatever God's called you to do. Uh, and so the Spirit of God is upon you uh, to do everything that you're supposed to do in this earth. Well, then that means that, you, that there's nothing that you can't do that you're called to do. Are you called to do it? Then you, then you have the capacity to do it, amen? Uh, you know, people say, I just can't do it not really accurate right what would be more accurate is i just don't want to do it well now that's fair right right i mean you ever you ever said i don't want to do it yes. well you know that's that's fair it's 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 uh uh it's a little unfortunate because if spirit of god didn't direct you you know about that then then you need to maybe go back and talk to him some more yeah, it doesn't mean that you know you're in the same job the rest of your life and you know people change jobs and because you know companies do different things and sometimes you got to move on and, and you know so it's not that you're you have to stay in the same job for the rest of your life. But whatever you're called to do, you need to, to believe God that you have the capacity to do it. So if you take a job, you should take a job because you believe the Spirit of God wants you to take that job. And then when you take the job, you should have the faith that then, Lord, if you, if you instructed me because I have an unction to take this job, I have a witness to take this job, then I can do this job, whatever this job is, right? Uh, and so... You know, in all of these things, one thing you, you have to appreciate, uh, if you're going to learn how to yield to the Spirit of God, uh, there, there's a, a few characteristics uh, and attributes of just your character that you need to make sure that you always uh, work on. So one of them is to be absolutely honest. Uh, and so uh, if the Spirit of God really is directing you, then be honest about that. But if he's really not directing you, if you just kind of hope he's directing you, then don't say he's directing you, right? Don't say, well, the Spirit of God told me to do that. Well, did he really? Well, you know, I, I thought he might want to tell me to do that. He never actually did tell me to do that, but I wanted him to tell me. And so, uh, so you know, it's been my observation in, uh, that many Christians will say the Spirit of God told them to do something, and it, he never told them to do that. So if you're going to learn... Uh, and, and there may be reasons for that. You know, it's not really important. What's important is if you want to learn how to really be led by the Spirit of God, you have to be brutally honest uh, and say, well, as far as I know, the Lord didn't tell me to do that. Or sometimes, as far as I know, you know, with all that's in my heart, I believe the Lord told me to do that. And will you get it wrong? You'll probably get it wrong sometimes, right? Uh, but, you know, if your heart's to do right, I think you're going to be okay. Amen. The Lord's not going to beat you up because you sincerely thought he told you to do something that, that uh, he didn't tell you to do. Amen. If you're really sincere about it. Uh, and now, if it's something that obviously violates the word of God, you should know better than that. Right. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of people tell me the spirit of God told them to do something that was in de direct contradiction to what the word says. Mm -hmm. Is the spirit of God ever going to do that? Mm -hmm. Never. Right. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've been when people say, well, God told me to do that. And immediately, I don't say anything, but immediately, you know, five verses rise up in my heart. Go, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, the Bible says that. Well, the, he, he didn't tell you that. Now, not, they didn't ask my opinion, so I don't give it to him. But, uh, uh, but I know he's, he's doing that for my benefit because I can't trust what they just said they're doing because it violates the word of God. And, and so if people, well, a lot of times they'll use a, be a name dropper. Well, the Spirit of God told me to do that. And what they're saying is don't judge what I just told you, just what I just told you, right? Don't say whether it's yes or no, just believe me. Well, I'm not required to believe anybody. I'm only required to believe the word of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and, so the, and that's how the Lord protects me many times. People will say that. People will say, the Spirit of God told me to do that. Doesn't sound like the Spirit of God at all, right? Violates principles, word of God, love, right? Violates all kinds of Bible verses. So it couldn't be the Spirit of God. And, and, and if you really want to learn how to, how to be led by the Spirit of God, before you ever act upon anything you think the Spirit of God is telling you to do, Judge it by the word of God. Always judge it by the word of God. Does this violate any specific verse or any biblical principle at all that the Lord's telling me to do? Well, you go, the Spirit of God told me to go slash their tires. Really? He told you to do that. Cause somebody harm, right? Hurt, hurt them. Cost them a, a financial difficulty, right? The Spirit of God told you to do that. Oh, yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't tell you to do that, right? Because he said, walk in love. Amen. Did he say walk in love? 
Well, if he says walk in love, then nothing you're ever going to do is going to be outside of love, right? Well, he told me to just cuss him out. Really? He told you to do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. No, he didn't. You know, and so uh, because why? Because uh, he said, uh, James said that, uh, that, uh, that those two kinds of words shouldn't come out of the same fountain. He said, but they do, don't they, right? And so you're just drinking from the wrong fountain if that's the case, right? Uh, and so, so you've got to be brutally honest and, and you've got to be humble and willing to do what the Lord asks you to do, right? You've got to be willing as a servant to do whatever he's asked you to do, amen? Uh, and, and if you want to train yourself to, to the most to, to follow God in everything and learn how to work with that anointing, you've got to be a humble person who's willing to, to yield to somebody else other than your own flesh, right? Willing, willing to yield. Uh, and so you've got to train yourself to do that. Some people, are, they're, so, they're so trained to be such a, a maverick you know, you know, especially in our society here in America, we're trying to be mavericks and rebels, right? And we rebelled against, you know, uh, England and we rebel against, you know, everything, right? COVID comes on. We're going to rebel against, you know, shots and because we're just rebellious, right? And then sometimes that works to our advantage, uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, you don't have to go with the flow, right? Uh, you know, a lot of times, well, would you go with the flow, right? Well, I'm not going to go with the flow just because it's the flow. Uh, but sometimes... That'll get that'll hinder us. Right. If you're being rebellious just for rebellious sake, then that's not the spirit of God. Right. Uh, And so uh, you've got to learn to be humble. If the spirit of God says do that. okay, then I'll do that. If he says, go say that, then okay, I'll go. If he says, don't say that. okay, then I won't say it. Yeah, well, they need to know. Well, they might need to know, but they don't need to know by you. Uh, And so sometimes you are the wrong person to say something. Amen. Somebody else would be better to say something in that circumstance. Uh, and so, so that, and that's learning how to work with the anointing, right? Working with the anointing that's upon, if you're, uh, if you're a Christian born again, you have an anointing upon your life uh, and you may never, you have, may have never sensed it and you may have never recognized it, but it's always there. Uh, and so you can learn how to sense it. You can learn, uh, by being quiet, uh, by, by listening, by asking the Lord questions, Lord, do you want me to do that? I sense that you want me to do that. And be sincere and honest, right? Oh, Lord, uh, as far as I know, this is what you want me to do. And uh, uh, then that's what I'm going to go do. And it should always end up in a blessing to whoever you're going, right? If you're going to go blast somebody out of the water, you know, Lord, I just, you know, I feel like I need to go, you know, steal their cat, you know. Um, well, I don't think the Lord was going to tell you to do that, right? Uh, and so, but how many evils have been done in the name of the Lord, right? So many evil things have been done in the name of the Lord. And of course, you know, it's like that takes about five nanoseconds to realize, well, that wasn't God because that's not, that's not, that's not walking in love. Amen. Uh, and so, so we, when you look at how Jesus operated in the ministry, uh, in his fivefold ministry, in his positions, uh, how he was anointed to do, to do all of those different things. Uh, and what you'll find is that there will be, there'll never be a person who is called to do all, uh, Point, all parts of the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Jesus was anointed to do all five of those and no human being will ever be uh, called to do all five of those. Sometimes they'll go from one or two, sometimes three maybe even, but uh, no one will ever be called to do all five of them. But people will say that, right? I'm, I'm all five of them. Mm, no, you're not. You know, you have a measure, right? That means, that means you'll never equal everything Jesus was. And for you to be all five of them, all the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, then you would have to be equal to Jesus. And none of us are equal to Jesus, right? We can do the works that he did, uh, but, we, but we'll never have the same level of the Spirit of God that he did individually, amen? And are we okay with that? I'm okay with that because that's what the Word says, right? Some people have a hard time with that because in their mind, they want to be equal to Jesus. Well, you know, it's not going to happen, right? At least in the area of how much the presence of God we have in our lives until we get a glorified body, Amen. So let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for the word today and we'll, we'll pick this up uh, next week. So Father, we thank you for the word of God and Father, we thank you that it is your desire, for, for, Father, for us to learn how to work with your spirit, how to work with you. You said the Lord, the Lord worked with them, uh, Father, and confirm your word with signs following. And so Lord, that's not just in uh, the pulpit, Father, that's in our day-to-day lives. Uh, We can have signs that follow every time we speak your word. And Father, everything you've called us to do in this earth, uh, you've anointed us to do that, Father. 
Uh, and so whatever job uh, that you've given to us, Father, uh, even if it's in the natural world, there's still an anointing for that. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And, you know, if you go back, way back in the Old Testament, there were people who were very skilled in what they did, right? Very skilled in doing embroidery work and making things for the temple. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon them, right? Or the hand of the Lord was upon them to do them. Or sometimes just say the Spirit of uh, the, the, uh, the Lord filled them with the Spirit of wisdom to be able to do these things. So in other words, he anointed them to sling a hammer. He anointed them to sew a thread. He anointed them to do these jobs in the Old Testament. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and they didn't have the Spirit of God in them. Amen. Uh, we've got the Spirit of God in us. So uh, if they can do that in the Old Covenant, can you do that in the New Covenant? Well, surely you can. Amen. So you can be an anointed uh, seamstress, right? An anointed uh, carpenter. You know, of course, Jesus was a carpenter. You reckon he made anything that pretty good? You know, I think I saw a couple of those on eBay last week, you know, made by Jesus, right? Uh, I'm sure you're going to go for a lot of money, right? Just think if you have something you turn over made by Jesus. Wow, you know, that'd really go for a lot of money, wouldn't it, right? That's why he, there's nothing that you'll ever find like that because we'd all worship it, right? So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Anybody remember, remember the... Uh, uh, the serpent made of brass, right, that Moses put up in the, in, in the wilderness. Well, they kept that for generations, hundreds of years. And then somebody found it somewhere and they started worshiping. And the king's like, you're so dumb. Why are you so... And he had to destroy it, right? Because, you know, it was, just, it was just something that was supposed to point to the Lord Jesus. And yet they started worshiping like it was the golden calf. Uh, and men will always worship dumb things because we're not really bright by ourselves, right? Uh, we need a lot of help to get through this life. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. So we have um, our church meal this afternoon right there today in just a minute. And then, of course, uh, this afternoon at three o'clock, we have um, a healing school. And uh, Jerry informed me that um, uh, today is Pastor Appreciation Day. Right. So. Yeah, that makes me really nervous when you do all that right there. So. Um, so uh, I'm going to hand it over to you, Jerry, and if you'll uh, uh, bless the food after that, we can go ahead and eat.